Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Highway One podcast. My name's Jeff, and thank you for joining me. This podcast is dedicated to all the clubs and musicians throughout Canada. We are all connected by our kinship to this great country, our love of music, and our shared musical experiences along Canada's own Trans-Canada Highway. Signed or unsigned, original or tribute act, this podcast is all about their stories. Some of the musicians you might have heard of, most you will have not. What you see on stage is often only part of the story. Their experiences are real, and when it comes to live music, anything can happen. So sit back and enjoy these tales from Canada's Highway 1. Please be advised, this episode contains profanity, expletives, and cuss words generally used by sailors on shore leave. If it ain't dangerous, it ain't rock and roll. Established in 1949 as part of the Transcontinental Highway System, the Transcan Highway is the second longest highway in the world, linking all 10 provinces and its major cities together. You know you're on the Transcan by its unmistakable green sign with the white maple leaf in the center. Mile Zero can be found in Victoria, British Columbia at the intersection of Douglas Street and Dallas Road. Mile Zero can also be found in Newfoundland on East White Hills Road near Loki Bay Road in St. John's. That's a total of 7,821 kilometers from Atlantic to Pacific, approximately 106 hours of driving time coast to coast. This episode consists of a collection of stories from multiple musicians who have all crossed this country no fewer than five times, and in some cases, 20 times each. That's crazy, considering the vast majority of Canadians have never crossed this country once, and some have never left the province they call home. It's the distance between cities in this country that can make or break a band. Consider, it's 17 hours from Toronto to Thunder Bay, another 16 hours from Winnipeg to Calgary, and 12 hours through the Rockies on a good day from Calgary to Vancouver. That's a lot of time spent with bandmates and road crew traveling in a confined space. A lot of time spent getting to know one another. It takes courage and ambition to embark on this journey, and I have tremendous respect and admiration for every musician that has undertaken this odyssey. Most of these bands you've never heard of. They likely didn't do it for the money, they did it for the music. My friend Dave Eva posed this question to me recently. What is it with Nordic countries consistently putting out such great music? I don't know. Could it be the vastness and diversity of its sparse population who spend months on end in frigid isolation? Or maybe there's just something in the snow. Ladies and gentlemen, without further delay, I present to you Episode 3, Tales from Inside the Van. Up first, Scott McCullough, who's lucky enough to be a part of not one but two iconic Canadian bands as one of the founding members of the Doughboys and, of course, guitar player for Rusty. Here's what he had to say about those long stretches on the Transcan. Let me ask you this then, because my next question brings me to the Groovy Dead video. All four members of Rusty traveling in an RV and perhaps you flipping pancakes. The distance between cities in Canada can make or break a band. What sorts of things did you guys do to entertain one another or yourselves in that time? Well, by the way, that video was made in a in a fake van in a TSN studio. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... You know, Mitch and Chris Lefko, Ken's ex-first girlfriend, uh, made that thing. And it's funny because I actually stole a sweater off the wall of TSN. It was like an old 
not like the flying fathers like there's a maple leafs logo with the flying father like some sort of catholic church hockey team thing and i still have it in my closet <laughs> actually, you know? like, i felt bad but yeah it was like a thing we you know but i guess they were touring at the time um ru- look funny thing with rusty is we got kind of successful quickly right and so we got thrown right out of the van into the tour bus nice. which is you know you think oh that's great the tour bus but our tour bus was like we didn't stay in hotels. Like our crew would stay in hotels. We stayed in our, in our tour bus. So we slept on it. We lived on it. And while it is a pretty grand existence as compared to a van, when you are sleeping on the fucking thing every day and you don't get out of it, you're living on it. It actually is a little worse than the van because you don't get to go into a hotel. Like you just, you just stay on that fucking thing all the time. Um, what was the question again? Sorry, I lost it. That's okay. So what sorts of things did you guys do to entertain one another or just to pass the time when you're traveling in between cities? Well, we were always kind of big drinkers. So we would always <laughs> drink our drink our rider down every night and then, you know, do whatever. And uh, I have to say, me and Mitch, when we, when we got on a tour bus, for some reason, I guess it was 95, and they had a they had a the NHL 95 on video games in the, back, in the lounge <laughs> yeah. of the tour bus. And me and Mitch, we must have played a thousand games of that, like in – you know, occasionally someone would give us some speed. We weren't really doing drugs at the time. We pretty well just drank and smoked weed, but people would give us speed. And me and Mitch would play like NHL 95 for like 20 hours because these kids from Atlanta, Collective Soul, were like better than us at hockey. They, they were, Here's this hockey video game. And they were better than it. And, and we're like, we have to get better. So we would like play, play, play. And uh, so me and Mitch would do this endlessly. I mean, besides just, you know, having fun and getting drunk and smoking weed and, and being on the bus. I must say the one pastime that myself and the drummer had was we would play video hockey endlessly. Like we'd just go, cause you're driving for hours, right? So we just sit back there and play that shit for, you know, hours, <laughs> hours upon hours upon 24 hours. Yeah. Next up, Nick Hamilton. He's a singer-songwriter from Ontario by way of Gatineau and Lennoxville, Quebec, who toured Canada extensively in the mid to late 90s in a band called Clay. Nick has endless road stories, and I could do an episode on him alone. In fact, I just might. The the stories from the van, uh, Jesus. Um, You know, I remember, in fact, one tour we did, I'm pretty sure of this, we had no working radio. So imagine that a bunch of musicians traveling the country, um, however many hours that that is coast, you know, from Toronto to to Vancouver Island. Anyway, it's an enormous amount of of hours, at least 60 hours of driving. And we didn't have a working radio um, on one tour. And so I remember some of the things we would do is, Actually, it would force you to entertain each other, right? So there was aspects of that that were super fun. And I remember at one point, however it happened, someone was, I think we were in like Saskatchewan or something, because it was, you know, deathly flat. So you really had nothing to do in terms of driving. It's just like hold the wheel. And everyone was awake or whatever someone had the the driver had the hand on on the horn it was making a noise and then we did like four part harmony on top of the sound of the the horn <laughs> and so and then we even joked that it's like car horn harmony would be our next album name so it's stuff like that that you think about and that you end up doing 
um, that become pretty, pretty funny and memorable. On deck next, Ken Kelly. He's a great writer and drummer from Moncton, New Brunswick. I met Ken in the late 90s on tour in Mexico and was awed by his band, The Monoxides. Some of the nicest guys you would ever want to meet. And PJ, he's a bit of a Canadian legend. Here's a couple tales from Ken on traveling across Canada. I'll, I'll ask you a couple more if you don't mind. Yeah, um, no, no, please do. Do you have any stories from inside the van? I don't know if you ever saw our van, but we used to drive an old ambulance, basically. Like, it was a decommissioned ambulance. So it was huge inside. And like, our manager helped us build, like, kind of a cage to keep the gear in back so that if, you know, somebody broke into the front of the van, they couldn't necessarily get to the back. But it had, like, this weird air draft thing through where we didn't have um, – we didn't have full-fledged windows in back, of course, but they were like, I don't even know what you'd call them, but like you could, you know, you could crack them kind of thing. Okay. But I mean, they only opened like so wide. But when you did that, it created this weird air current in the van. And so the guys would sometimes like, I don't know, PJ would take his smelly socks or something and like, you know, hold them up uh, in the window <laughs> And it would like it would hit everybody in back right away. So like everybody in back would be gagging. But then like it would kind of very slowly like make its way to the front of the van. And we've actually we've actually got it on video, like PJ doing that. And you know, Derek Derek just kind of casually turns around. He's like, you know, what's that smell? He's like, I was gonna say something that's like s- smelled good, but there was just this weird air current thing where where you know you could you could send smells from from the back of the van to the front. So I guess maybe I could just leave it at that. That's probably the most PG thing I could, uh, I could contribute to that. Any places stand out that come to mind? As you know, when you're in a band, like sightseeing isn't really, you know, uh, sometimes you can do it. You have very little time to do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because PJ and I were talking about that, uh, just in the last couple of months, he said, you know, he said, uh, I wish we weren't so cool when we were younger that we thought, you know, we'd be dorks for going sightseeing. And I was like, yeah, you know, I kind of do too. Like it would have been fun to see some of these things. Like, you know, not that I feel we missed out on a lot, but you know, just yeah. like, you, you know, spend so much time old. driving, right? Like it was, it was Nick who put it into perspective when he was saying, you know, if, if you're driving from Toronto to Vancouver, it's roughly, you know, like 60 hours, you know, it's, I know it's, it's, it's like 35, five or 34 hours just to go from toronto to winnipeg and 17 from toronto to to uh thunder bay and it was like uh i think it's 16 hours from winnipeg to calgary like it would have been easily nine ten hours from ottawa to detroit i mean it's you spend so much time just sitting in the van like staring if you have windows (laughs) staring at the window right yeah yeah exactly but uh, yeah, and like we did that drive, like it was on our, our second cross country tour, April of 96. And we were staying with friends in Vancouver, which was super. And they were very understanding and they encouraged us to stay, but we we're kind of like, yeah, you know, we kind of feel we're in the way. And so it was Sunday in Vancouver and we didn't have a gig till Wednesday in like Saskatoon or something. So it's like, what are we going to do for the next three days? So we, you know, for better or worse, we told our management to blow off the SAS, like, you know, we're, we're just going to incur bills, like just kind of, you know, killing time in cities kind of thing. So we made the decision to drive straight from Vancouver to Toronto. Wow. And we did it 
Yeah. And it was awesome. Like, again, like one of my favorite memories has nothing to do with the show, but we're lucky because there was four of us. So of course we could keep the van moving like forever, basically. Right. Like the only time the van stopped where basically we were all too tired to drive was outside of Thunder Bay, like that, like the east side of Thunder Bay. Wow. And, you know, we were all just tapped out kind of thing. And, you know, but it was like, like the Minneapolis thing. Like I got up two hours later and, uh, you know, off we went again. But yeah, we left Vancouver Sunday at like noon and we pulled into our manager's place at like 11 o'clock Tuesday night. Wow. So like we just drove straight through. Like our parents, God love our parents. They're like, you know, just like call us. We're like we'll, we'll get you a hotel or whatever. But it was like, it was part of the adventure. My next contributor is another fantastic drummer and songwriter from PEI by way of Lennoxville, Quebec and Moncton, New Brunswick. I first met Craig Watson when he was touring Canada with Clay in the mid to late 90s. He later went on to tour Canada and the States with a brilliant guitar player from the East Coast by the name of Chris Kopa. Craig estimates he's toured Canada coast to coast upwards of 10 times. This does not include all the mini tours through Quebec and Ontario. Craig's another guy whose road stories I never tire of, and I have a few more I'll be sharing in upcoming episodes, including a classic Royal Albert experience. For now, here's the sleeping bag suit. Um, do you have any good uh, riding in the van stories? I don't know how you taught Nick's when he was talking about the, the car horn uh, harmony. That was that was gold. I asked him, and he didn't have the memory, but he was, he was insisting that I speak to you. I recall the story where apparently there was a hole in the front of the driver's side of a van you guys had, and you had to sit yeah. in a sleeping bag to stay warm. Yeah, we, yeah we, we made it. We constructed the Eric Finkel, our guitar player, uh, called it the sleeping bag suit. So <laughs> we had this big hole in the front um, of this old Chevy, 87 Chevy uh, sport van. And if you drove in the winter, uh, you had to wear the suit. We had we had boots as well, um, and that's how you had to drive for hours on end in the sleeping bag suit. <laughs> and we we ended up breaking down somewhere at one point in that van. I think we were in Armprior, Ontario, and we told the mechanic it was a totally unrelated matter. We needed a brakes or something. He told him, he said, it's so cold here in the front. Like, we have to wear the sleeping bag suit when we drive. And he's like, you guys are a bunch of idiots. And all it was was some kind of vent under the floor that we had, it was never closed. So <laughs> we kind of just closed it. And I was like, there you go. No, I, I don't think you'll need your sleeping bag suit anymore. <laughs> yeah, we turned like a, turned a $400 mech sleeping bag into, into like pants and, and boots. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. The sleeping bag suit. Don't leave home without it. Next in line for Tales from the Van is a Juno Award-nominated singer-songwriter from Ontario by the name of Sean Pynchon. He's an incredible guitar player and one of the hardest-working musicians I've ever met. How hard, you ask? He's toured Canada in the dead of winter. Check it out. It's my most profitable tour to date. I went with uh, probably the best minstrel uh, saleswoman I've ever met is Sarah Burton. She's actually the daughter of Mayor Burton, from uh, Oakville. Okay. Um, so he's a good, he's a decent mayor. I like him. Oakville's definitely a, a far cry away from where we were touring. Um, but she's like, we can do this tour. Uh, we made pins and everything. It was called February Freedom 2011. 
2010, 2011. And just me and Burton, we didn't practice any songs. We didn't have a set list together. We just had our own lives. And we, she made toques as we drove and would sell these like toques at shows for 20 bucks. And then um, we, she was great. We had like a budget where like any money that came in, she'd immediately like start taking stuff off the top to cover my gas so that I wasn't sad. Because when you go on tour and own the car, usually you're getting kicked in the balls at some point because... If you don't own a car, you just don't know. Sarah knew. Sarah was like, and then I found out she teaches a course at Seneca on touring at that time. So I was, it was kind of the greatest thing. But the story is I didn't plug my car in because I didn't realize that cars have those things. The block heaters dangling out of the cars in Ontario, unless the guy's from Thunder Bay, right? Right. Visitor. Yeah. So I didn't plug my car in and I was two days. I was stuck in Saskatoon. Your car froze. Froze dead. Like I thought I didn't, I've never heard the sound of nothing when you turn it. It's like, you're like, oh, this is a Dodge Caravan. I'm like, we might be fucked. <laughs> She's like, no, it, it's frozen. See those two by fours with the plugs? I was like, my car doesn't have one of those. And my brother calls me up. He's like, yeah, it has one. Every car in the world has one in Canada, Sean. I was like, really? He goes, just look for it. So I went and looked and I found it all nicely tied up. So, uh, yeah, and it's the only time I've ever had to, which is another thing. I've been lucky enough to never really need to plug my car in across Canada. But Saskatoon, I guess, is the same as Winnipeg, it's just a little more. Yeah. So what did you do? Easy. Did you have to like take your car someplace to thaw it out or you just plugged it in? I waited two days. Okay. And then on the warmest part, I was actually staying with two university physics guys. Okay. Um, and they told me to just wait till the sun was out. Um, they were outside like throwing water in the air and just turning it to snow immediately. And they're like, yeah, just wait for the sun to be out at the highest point in about three days when we get a warm moment and just try. Um, you can get some like, I think somebody else said to put like fuel injector cleaner in there to just kind of kick the lines open or something. But I was just, I went out on day three and was just like, all right, Sarah, we're either not going home or we are. And then we turned it on and she, it was green van too. So this would have been, no, it was still, was it silver? Must've been silver van. So van number three, the Dodge Caravan 2005, not built for everything. But like now that I drive a Mitsubishi, I, I do miss the Dodge V6 growl. Like, those couches are beautiful. There's not a smoother ride in the world than a collection of caravans. <laughs> We're nearing the end here. Just a couple more. Steve Fall is another great guitar player, songwriter, and educator from Toronto, Ontario. He's toured Canada with a number of different bands, most notably Acid Test, which you can listen to and purchase at acidtestmusic.com. Steve was generous with his time and stories and has forgotten more about touring Canada than most. Here's his take on those long stretches along the Transcan Highway. And I want to say, uh, first off, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this for me. Oh, you're my um, brother, man. You, you know, we go way back. We, we do. did a few shows together. That's right, right? Back <laughs> in the day when you could do shows. on this podcast, you never know. Yeah, I've been hitting up all my friends, trust me, uh, to do this. <laughs> trust me. Um, uh, how many times have you toured Canada again? Uh, let's see. And, 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 and in all fairness, I haven't done it in a while. Uh, no, obviously. Um, geez, uh, I'd say, well, technically speaking, everybody says Canada when they go from Toronto, Vancouver Island, but really Halifax has to be included in that. But I mean, excluding, uh, we'll say, we'll say Eastern Canada to, to Western Canada. I'd say those tours, uh, probably about 15, 16, maybe 17. Yeah, at least. And that's just with one group. Uh, there was another two other groups where we did regional touring around, but I wouldn't call it a classified one unquote tour. But yeah, about that. That's impressive. Which was, which was normal back in the day, I think. I don't know. A uh, light band would have done three Canadian tours, you know. That's just the way it was. With 
all those tours, um, one of my first questions to you is, uh, I'm looking for stories from inside of the inside the van. So the things you did to entertain one one another when you were traveling from all the van. Oh, I have a lot. Um, those stories, you know, tech tech. I, I I have a theory that those drives are what breaks bands up. You know, that <laughs> it, it, it basically it 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 takes a band's longevity from ten years to three years in those vans. So, and everybody in the business behind the scenes kind of knows it. So, it's my little theory. It's like how quick can we get that band into flights and into buses because there's a ticking time bomb when you put these four or five people and their crew in a van. You know, and you're driving across this godforsaken country where there's ten hours between a gig. So in our case, you know, we had uh, we were a little bit luckier. We 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 did, we outgrew the the smaller vans and we got a bigger van. We actually got a record deal, and we got a record deal. We bought a van. We bought a Ford Econoline one-ton diesel van, which can sit feet, seat comfortably fifteen people, or it's, it's it's almost as long as a bus. We ripped out two seats in the back, put my futon from my apartment in there, and uh, and then we 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 hauled gear in a double axle U-Haul because you know. Lucy needs her wardrobe and, and Adam needs his keyboards and Mike needs his Technique 1200s. I'm only allowed for whatever reason for a worldwide tour to have two guitars on stage. But don't worry, we have the bitch to come with you. And the bitch is our roadie who is basically Brennan Trahan. who would just sit there and he would be, you, you could stick him in between road cases. He could sleep anywhere. So Brendan didn't even take a seat up. You could just stick Brendan like there and throw him Doritos. And that's literally how he lived. So the, a lot of stories in the van were feeding Brendan Doritos. P- PDs were a big deal, per diems. Uh, Mike was always scamming everybody's per diems. Uh, they were always fighting with cigarettes. So there was like, a you know, everybody in the band smoked, but they didn't really, but they kind of did. So one guy smoked and he bought cigarettes, but everybody else owed him PD money. So because there was constant st- st- truck stops with cigarettes and fights in the van about cigarettes and Doritos. Um, and smelling bad. Um, I remember going from one tour from, we went out to, we were in Toronto and we were off for the winter. I were for like, I think a Christmas break, whatever. And Jim called me and said, man, he goes, I got motion. I said, yeah, I do too. Now motion, we don't know if other bands had this. We think they did. We, we had our own thing called motion. This is a good band story. We toured in the van so much that we could only sleep when we're moving. So when you're finished touring, I, my, my, um, Lucy's mother, I, even though I had an apartment and everything, Lucy's mother had a really amazing couch in her family room downstairs. And she knew I liked to sleep there when I was in touring. So she goes, I got Steve's bed ready when you get off tour and I'll feed him pasta. I'm like, I'm in. So this, 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 this couch was just like a bunk on the bus and I could sleep on it, you know, cause it just felt like the bus, you know, or the, or the, or the, uh, I guess the, I guess she, the truck in this case. And, and Jim would call me after three days. He goes, I've got motion. I, I, I'm driving, I can't sleep here. Can you call Lenny and the other agent and see if we can get book us a tour? I said, well, we're not supposed to be on tour right now. He goes, I, I don't know. You know, there's a whole marketing behind that whole thing. It gets more complicated. Can't just be like the old fucking days. We're just getting a fucking van and just go. I said, all right. So you call your agent in the East in Feldman in those days. You call your agent in the West. I think Jeff was in the East, Jeff Craven. Lenny was in, Lenny Goddard, I think was, was his name. He was out in the West. So the two agents, I called and said, we got to get on tour. And 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 now we knew we we knew we had a tour, um, you know, in, in western Can- western the states, if we could just get out there. But we needed a Canadian tour to pick up, and the Canadians didn't want to do it. It was winter, and I get that. So in three days, we organized a spot tour to go to get out west. The goal was to get to Vancouver to have nice weather, rent a house, and wait for the California tour to pick up. So you you can imagine like what that was like. I mean, it wasn't a lot of gigs. The gigs weren't well organized, and there was a lot of fighting in the van. 
um, and and just a lot of smelly people. So that's, <laughs> that's my... <laughs> okay, here we go. Last tale for this episode. In case you haven't guessed by now, I'm a drummer. And I've been a fan of this guy's playing since I first saw him at the Ontario Place Forum in the late 80s with Andrew Cash. In addition to Andrew Cash, he's played with a veritable who's who of Can Rock, including Change of Heart, Jane Sibbery, Andy Curran, Hayden, and many, many more. He's been the drummer for Blue Rodeo for the past 25 years, where he's toured the world. Along with Blue Rodeo, he has his own band, The Swallows, which you can check out online. Currently, He's playing with Ian Blurton's Future Now. His name, Glenn Milcham, and he is a monster behind the kit. Here's Glenn's perspective on touring Canada from a van and a bus. What sorts of things do you recall in the van doing to entertain yourselves to pass the time? Or what what did you like to do? Well, I mean, hmm. like I say, my van years, it's, it's funny, uh, my van years have actually kind of returned in the last few years because um, because uh, Rodeo is touring a lot less, because uh, mostly because of Greg's health. Right. Greg Keeler's health. He just sort of, after our last tour, he was he was so sort of burnt out and he sort of said, I can't do that anymore. Uh, so we are, we're kind of, we just sort of do one-offs or we'll go and do two or three shows and then be home. So, so I found myself with a lot more time and then other bands were asking me to play with them like aaron costello from uh, the east coast who's a wonderful kind of soul singer songwriter and future ian blurton's future now ian yep. blurton being the founder of change of heart now he has this new new metal band they're not new metal but it's a metal band and right. it's new <laughs> and <laughs> not like corn <laughs> and uh and uh and, uh, you know, so I started playing with him and we toured, I've toured with both of those bands, you know, um, across Canada. And uh, so these days, everybody listens to podcasts. That seems to be the van thing, um, which I don't really, personally, I find podcasts are okay. Me personally, it's like, what do I, it's like, let's, I like to, you know, read, listen to music, smoke hash talk sleep. <laughs> that's about it you don't get motion and, sickness when you're uh in in the van and reading uh not not generally on the highway okay you know if it's on a windy residential thing but uh you know especially if you're on the prairies whatever you know but i see the one thing i love about van touring the interest so most of my touring has been on a bus right and so which is a very different from van touring and uh like and bus touring is a dream like i don't care what anybody says it is it is a fantastic way to travel you know you you get on the bus after the gig you can go to sleep in the bunk you know you hang out with your with your bandmates you have a chat or whatever or an argument of the case maybe or whatever but but then you know you then you know you 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 can go to bed you wake up and you're in the next town it's fantastic and then you can go and explore the town you know and and uh the one thing about a bus is that because you're mostly traveling at night and sleeping on the van, you don't see the country. Uh. And the nice thing about a van is that you see the country and that you're generally kind of awake and you're with your band members. And so like you say, like you're saying it can make or break for me, touring in a van has always been a bonding experience right. with other, uh, and it's kind of been a, a great and, and touring a bus and a bus too. Like, like rodeo as a band, I'd say we bonded more 
uh, on the bus than anywhere else. Like, well, certainly we bonded on stage as well, but where we really bonded, uh, or a lot of us, was just hanging out in the back room of the bus on long drives. You know, like I have so many fond memories, especially in the 90s when we toured the most of just hours and hours on the bus, sitting in the back room, talking, playing guitar, jamming, you know, uh, Basil, uh, Basil like knows a thousand country songs and teach, you know, singing us country songs and passing the guitar around and, you know, uh, just, just listening to music and having a beautiful time together. Yeah. And, and so that's my, like, those are my fondest memories of, of being in Blue Rodeo. And, uh, and some of my fondest memories of, of, like, say, when I think about the Andrew Cash days, like, I really loved touring with Andrew in, in a van, like, driving across the prairie in a, in a van for hours, you know, like, it was, there was, there was, you know, it was like a wonderful sort of bonding experience. So, um, and in those days, yeah, we would just talk, like, we would just talk, listen to music, read, you know, because, like, in the 80s, there were no podcasts or anything no. like that. We weren't all on our phones because we didn't have phones. Right. But, um, so we just hung out, you know, and it was fine. You know, it was fine. Like, uh, and th now these days I do not enjoy band touring as much. I will do it if I really love the music. Right. Like chances are, if you are touring in a band, the money isn't going to be that great. <laughs> right. You know, so you do, I'm only, I'm doing it because I, I really believe in the band. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, like, like for instance, someone like Aaron Costello or, or Ian Blurred's Future. No, like those are two bands that I will, I really believe in, in those artists and, and it's a joy to play with them. And I love them as people. Right. So if they're like, we've got a shitty gig in Thunder Bay, and, you know, I'll be like, okay, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'll go. I don't really want to. And it's like, you know, a part of me, you know, my wife will be annoyed that I'm doing this, but you know, <laughs> yeah. but I'll do it. I'll do it. You know what I mean? But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, mostly I'd, I'd rather be in a bus. <laughs> Absolutely. That wraps things up for this episode of the Highway One Podcast. I want to thank Scott, Nick, Craig, Ken, Sean, Steve, and Glenn for your time and your contributions. I have a lot more stories, including one of my all-time faves from my friend Neil Busby involving Ronnie James Dio and Black Sabbath. But that's for another time. Theme music provided by Dave Viva at Locomotion Music. Hosting and everything else provided by this guy, Jeff Elliott. If you have a story to tell about your musical adventures, or better yet, misadventures, please contact me at hwyonecanada at gmail.com and check out my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash hwyonecanada. Thanks for listening.